Blog Talk Radio. Number right there, like the guitar playing, too, Brother Louis. Uh-huh. They played that. 
They play the guitars quite well, and so I really like them uh, as well. Thank God today for another Labor Day, and uh, it's an exciting holiday for many. And uh, some people cook out, they grill, they barbecue, and you know, have family and friends over. They just throw a big bash. Some people go to to the beach. The beaches are crowded because today, I think the beaches closed in in, in my area, of Florida. And uh, they won't open back until, uh, I think it's Easter, Easter Sunday, then the beach will open back up to the public. So a lot of people go, you know, and do different things. Thank God for this weekend, and I thank God that he brought us back here another Monday morning um, as a group, the first group, you know, of our day in many cases. Sometimes it's just Jesus in the morning group that we come together to give God the first fruit of our day. He's worthy. He's worthy. Many of us get up long before this, and we have uh, our morning prayer, you know, and morning devotion, scripture reading, that kind of thing. Then we come here, or we, you know, go to other places early in the morning. We can never get enough God. We can never get enough Jesus. Yeah, we can't get enough of what's right what's going to bless us. We can't praise God enough. We can't worship him enough. The scripture said that if we had 10,000 tongues and began to praise him with everyone, it wouldn't be enough. And the reason I say that, because he's more than, hallelujah, more than anything we could ever imagine. Yeah. He go beyond the call of duty, way beyond. Death should be us, but he don't allow us to die. Hallelujah. He loved man. He loved us. Yes, yes. Look what he did. Man was disobedient. He listened to the serpent. And the serpent gave her the fruit that God said, don't touch. Don't touch the tree. She tasted because of what the serpent said, brought it back to her husband. He ate it and messed up everything. But yet God so loved man that he found a way to redeem us back to him. I was talking to a, a man and his wife yesterday, and they're Miss, uh, Donald Trump supporters. And so uh, what a wonderful conversation, and they're believers in everything. And, you know, I just begin to look at this thing, how people are blind. Eyes closed and they're walking. We call them many times the walking dead. Yeah, the walking dead. They're walking every day, going to work every day, uh, school, many going to colleges, schools every day, all kind of stuff, getting married, <laughs> having children, many different things. But dead, sleep. Blinders on. If it sounds good to them, then they will do it. They don't. They don't investigate nothing. It, oh, this sounds good. What they said this, then they look over here and they said that, and they follow bait. But we must follow Jesus. The songwriter said, "I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, nobody may go with me, but I'm still going to follow Jesus." And I'm going with him. I am going with Jesus all the way. Why? In this hour, 
September the 5th, 2022. We need him. We need him. Yes, they do. They call themselves woke. And listen, they try to change the country for the worse. They blind. They put many these people don't even know what they're doing. If you change this thing the way that they want it to go, let me tell you, we'll be in bondage so quick it will make your head swim. They really want to open it up, not really knowing. Many of them don't really know. It will become a real devil's playground. I'm, I, I, let me tell you something. There will be no safety for nobody, and they don't understand this. And they think they make, they bring in a new America. There's no such thing. God made it. If God changed it, let God change it. Don't you change it. You follow what he allowed to be in place. I've heard so many ugly things. I just shut my ears. I don't want to hear that. But you got to know, if God allowed this man, Mr. Donald Trump, to become the president. And see, many people had not, I don't think, adjusted to the real world. I think they was living in some kind of fantasy land of what they wanted and how how they want things in this country to be. But there's no perfect world. Nowhere you go, you're not going to find perfect unless you go back with Jesus when he comes. Heaven is the only perfect place I know for people. And so they think that if they change it, uh, you know, the way that they want it to be, everything will be, oh, just great. It will mess up everything. Listen, when you have a system, I have a system here. Every weekday morning I wake up, there's a system I must use to open Jesus in the morning and to be able to speak here. You can hear me play recordings, play music, and you can hear it, and I can hear it. There's a system to this. Now, any morning that I choose to go against that system, it's going to mess up everything. I may not hear, you may not hear, uh, there may not even be a show. I may not even be able to log on to open up nothing because I didn't go with the system that makes this work. Yeah. When you look back, there's been things that, because some people may say, well, that's not that important what it is. I don't ride down the street in garbage. There are trash companies that come and pick up trash. There are garbage companies that come and pick up the garbage. The streets are separated. The streets have name and numbers on it so that you can uh, navigate your way through wherever you got to go. If I decide today I want to ride to Alabama, all I got to do is do what I need to do, prepare myself, have the money for gas and hotel or whatever I need, and I'll go to Alabama. I'll come back when I get ready. If I don't like this job, I can apply for a different job. But they're not thinking. All of that will be taken away, so they're not thinking. And I know these seem like just, you know, many little tiny nothing things, but they're big things when you don't have it. I have a choice of going to Publix, grocery store, Walmart, Winn-Dixie, wherever I want to go and shop. I have that opportunity. And nobody can make me just stay in this house and they bring me water and bread. 
or they bring me nothing. And they said, well, you can go out in the backyard, and, you know. And when I'm out in the backyard, I'm looking for something I can eat, nothing back there but trees and grass and leaves. And, and there may be a few berries. I don't think so, but it, it could be. So if I follow the foolishness, there will be a day when I have absolutely nothing but trauma, hurt, and pain, and suffering. But if I decide to keep what God allowed to be in place, in place, many things he didn't do, but he allowed it to be done. And I believe now, and I know people will hate me for it. They won't like me for it. They'll say, I don't understand. But I believe with Mr. Trump being in there, I believe we had the right man for the job. He was a businessman. <laughs> and he was just true to himself in many ways. He said what he had to say the way he said it. And see, people change. You, you can't tell the truth. They don't want the truth now. So however he felt, that's what he said, but people didn't like the way he was feeling, and they don't think he should have said it. Well, I think he should have. Yeah, I don't like this. This is a plain, everyday human being. But they try to make the president, they try to make the leadership of the country more than it is. And all kind of evil lies. And listen, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, really. We're not. We're not. We're fighting against wickedness, rulers of the darkness, wickedness in high places. And and see, the enemy got the people thinking it's, it's, it's him, it's her, it's them. No, it's the evil spirit. And if we could just come together and battle that evil spirit, we would be all right. Uh I saw a lady talking about the country wasn't found on God because they came and they uh, did the Indians wrong or whoever was here first wrong. And then they come and decide they took it and they said they found it. Uh, But guess what? Now we have the opportunity to know God for ourselves so we can find answers. We don't have to listen to what people say. We can go to God and he will reveal. Go to God, he will show you. He gave man, listen, in this country, he gave man the ideals. He gave man the way, taxes. I mean, they overdo it because they're stealing and everything else. But guess what? Taxes supposed to pay for the roads and this and that, the cleaning of things, the this, the that. And we agreed and come together so that we all could be happy here. But how many know that? devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the word says. But we're looking at people. We're not looking at the evil spirit. And many people won't accept God because he, he, he won't show up the way that they want him to show up. He won't do what they want him to do. So they, they, they can't be with him. And then there are many who don't believe there is a God when there really is one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it's going to be terrible for many to get before God, when you th- thought that there was not one, when you just refused to believe that there was no Jehovah, there was no God who made the heavens and the earth. There was no God who said, let there be light and light appeared. 
There was no God who made man from the earth and pulled woman out of the side, the river. Man. They, they're not. They, they, they're going to be in for rude awakening because they don't believe this. Nothing was too evil for them to do. Nothing was too slimy and low down and dirty for them to do. Many loved money more than anything else. And for the love of money is the root of all evil. So many people want things to go a certain way so they can keep money. I want things to go a certain way where I can keep God. That's what I want. He's the often finisher of my faith. He make ways where I see no ways. He he know about everything. He know the very intent of my heart. He know what tomorrow is going to bring. He know what the afternoon is going to be like. He know what the evening, the night is going to be like. He made me for his pleasure, or should I say us, for his pleasure. He made the good, the bad, and the ugly for his pleasure. At any time, he can lose the evil angels to do whatever he desires for them to do. But I look at things daily. God is not through. He's yet allowing man chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity. But man is refusing. And he's got the purpose. And he's got the plan. We don't know the date. But he's got a date set when it all will come to an end. I begin to look at this. He keep the sun in the sky. And keep it far enough that we are warm, but it does not burn the earth. He brings, he allows the moon to come out at night in the sky, shines over the earth. But it never freezes the earth. Keeps the water back from the land. Oh, the water get rough many days. I'm in Florida. There's a lot of water. I'm surrounded. I'm on an island. I live on an island. There's a lot of water, but guess what? God keeps the water back from the land. Every morning I wake up, I don't wake up in the ocean. I don't wake up in the river. I wake up in a dry home. That's God. If I'm hungry, I'm blessed that I can go in the kitchen and make food if I need to. He blessed me with a roof over my head, clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. I wake up clothed in the right mind, remembering him. For without him, I can do nothing. So the man talked to me about some things, and it blessed me really good. And his wife, she was there. We, you know, we got to say hello and talk a little bit. But the man was, the husband was the talk that he told me that. <laughs> Said, my wife, you know, she know a lot and she have a lot to say, but she don't do a lot of talking. I'm the talker. Yeah. And so it was a wonderful conversation. And uh, matter of fact, he lived right here where I live. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll be talking more because the Lord have a word for him. And uh, I didn't get it until this morning, but I'm sure I'll speak with him later and let him know what God said concerning him and his wife. But I know this for myself. If we don't pray the believer, and if we don't get right with God, this thing going to get ugly. And when I say ugly, like you have never, we've never saw it like this before, the, 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 older, the older ladies and gentlemen. We have not seen it like this before. 
And we're what's holding this thing together, the believers. Prayer. Seeking God. Standing on his word. Because today everybody say they are Christians. Christians that get drunk. Christians that smoke weed. Christians that smoke crack. Christians that fornicate. What in the commit adultery? They can do anything they want to do and they still say Jesus. But what makes us stand out in the crowd is we obedient. You and a million people going left and you're saying that's the way to go, but we heard what the word said, and the word said stand still. It didn't say go right or left. It said stand still and know that I am God. Everybody's screaming, you better come on to the left. Nope, I can't go. I can't follow you. I've got to follow God. He said stand still and know that I am God. I'm standing right here. And then if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm going to hear spiritually from him. He's going to remind me of something. He's going to tell me something that I can do something. And no matter what everybody else don't have, I will have it. Anybody remember the devil told him, said, well, if you're the son of God and yada, 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 turn these stones into bread. Guess what? If I need bread, he'll take stones and make bread for me. I'm not concerned about eating. But I am concerned about those who don't know God, those who don't know how to walk in the spirit, those who don't know how to stay with God. The the, the world means more to them. What people say means more to them than anything else. And to be a part of them, you got to do what they do. Say, I'm not a part of man, I'm a part of God. And I'm this way. If I don't like something, I get on down the street. I'm telling you the truth. The only thing I'm beholden to is Jesus. I'm not beholden to man. I'm not a lonely woman. I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. I promise you that. And if nobody came around, I wouldn't be lonely. I promise you. I have Jesus. He makes my life exciting. Every time I turn around, something exciting is happening for me. Sometimes I don't really want it to be. <laughs> but he knows today what's best for me. Although my weary eyes may not can see. Yeah. And today all I can do is tell him thank you. Yeah. So we thank God this morning. And today we're going to take a listen to uh, Bishop Rudolph McKissick. And uh, his message is, he's with me in empty places. He is with me in empty places. I want to know about the empty places. Yeah. And where is your empty places? See, because many times we go, even in our home, and we feel like nothing is there. I'm sad, Lord. I feel sick. This, that, and the other is going on. And it's an empty place. But I learned this when I stay with the Lord, when I I keep in touch with him and I begin to praise him, I I get to see that he's right there. I can feel the presence of him. He's not going nowhere. And I got to begin to pray, Lord, I don't want to take it for granted because I just know you're here. I just know. 
He said he wouldn't leave us. He, he won't leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us until the end. But I yet don't want to take that for granted. Yeah. I believe it. I trust him. But I want to be more grateful unto him, more thankful unto him, more appreciative of him. Yeah. Not just only what he, he supplies, because, see, he supplied me. He gives uncommon blessings and miracles. But I want to love him for him. Because, see, I've been in this world a long time. I'm guilty and many others are guilty. I've seen in many places I like you because you look like this. I like you because you're shaped like that. I like you because you have nice hair, nice teeth. Foolishness, foolishness. All of these things pass away. It's the heart of man. And that's the generic term, man or woman. The heart of man that we should seek after to see if God is in them. Because how can two walk together except they agree? And not only that, but the spirit in you should agree with the spirit in me. This is why when you see uh, people married, and, 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 and a lot of times one will be against the other and say, oh, they did this, oh, they, but look here, somewhere in there, those spirits agreed. That's how they came together. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. But we thank God this morning. We thank him for all he has done for us, for what he's doing right now, and for what he's going to do. And on this Labor Day, we don't want to forget him. And we don't want to forget prayer. It's praying time. If ever there was a time to pray, it's now. If ever there was a time to gird up in the word of God, that's now. That's now. Yeah. If ever there was a time to follow the rules and regulations and the ways of Jesus, it's now. We need to try all we can to be more like Jesus. Pray and ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. And ask him to teach you how the Holy Spirit operates in you so that you'll know the move of God. You know, when the Spirit of God is moving, and you won't think, you know, it's just some man or just something that's just randomly happening. No, but you'll know. Because without him, we can't do anything. I'm telling you, we need him. Pray. Man ought to always pray and not think. Pray without ceasing. I'm telling you, if ever there was a time for Bible walking, Bible living, it's today. If ever there was a time for prayer, it's today. And not just concerned about you and your family, but others who have been lost, others who don't know God. Some don't believe, but God have a mighty sweet way. If we pray, if we lift him up, he can draw, because that's the only way man can come, if God is drawing him. He don't want to see nobody lost, and we don't either. But he know who to draw and when to draw and how to draw. So we pray, Lord, draw your people. You made them for your pleasure. You love them today. Draw them. Show me what to do to draw others unto you, not to me, but unto you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I'm grateful this morning unto Almighty God. He's got all power. There's no higher power today. And uh, he's on our side in spite of us, looking beyond fault, yet we need. And so we just need to love him back. That's all, because he loves us. 
So we just need to love him back and show uh, our love to him. Yeah, because I, I, I don't see how we could ever measure up. But that which we can give him, he can work with it. But we got to give him something. I want to give him my all, my life, my everything. Hallelujah. Use me, Lord, in your service to be a blessing unto your people in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's that kind of God. So listen, let's pray. We're going to our next song, and um, we'll continue after that. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for another Monday morning. Thank you for another Labor Day, holiday to celebrate. Father, we thank you for all of the celebration, including the food and everything, drank everything that you supply. We're grateful unto you this day. Thank you for those that we will fellowship with today and may visit us or we may visit them. We're thankful unto you. We come this morning, bow down in humbleness, Father. Oh, we thank you and we love you this morning. We're grateful unto you. We appreciate you today. And Father, we come this morning and drawing others to you is our concern today. And the reason we are concerned, Lord, we wish that none should perish either. Many of us have loved ones, family members, God, that has not received you yet. And we see that the times are winding up. God is coming to a close. And we want our family members, our friends, and and even strangers that has not accepted you. Father, we want them to come to you wholeheartedly and never leave. Help us today to be the candle on the hill, sits on the hill that can't be heeded. Help us to shine light in darkness. And Father, we're asking that the darkness will comprehend in the name of Jesus. Help us today to be about your business. No more houses on the hill with the dog named Fluffy, money, stuff, things. But God, this is a time of spiritual walk. Help us all to walk in your spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. Father, remind us that you're coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle. And you didn't tell us the day nor the hour. But Lord, help us to prepare daily for your return. Help us to get our eyes out of the world and on you. And Lord, help us to pray our way through in the name of Jesus. For not only you hear, but Father, you listen. We have a responsibility as believers to the things that's in the earth. But God, we need your leadership to lead and guide us in the right path for these things for your name's sake. Help us today to be all that we can in you to show a dying world that you're God that lives. Hallelujah. You're alive and well, and the earth is yours, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Have mercy this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Can't thank you enough. Father, I bring every call and every listener before you this morning. And Lord, those that are sick, I ask today that you would touch and heal. In the name of Jesus, you took a beating for the healing of the nation. Father, there's yet healing in the hem of your garment. It's you that heal all manner of sickness and disease. Lord, somebody is suffering this morning. And we ask that you would move for them in a mighty way. They've been diagnosed a while back. But God, we ask that you would touch and heal today. Mm, in the name of Jesus, bless every caller. 
and every listener uncommonly this day. Father, show your people that you're yet on their side in spite of them. Show your people today that you're yet the God that rule heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Oh, we thank you, His Majesty. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The believers, the Christians, the saints of God. We thank you that we know you for ourselves. And, Father, we believe and we trust you this day. But we can't make it without you. And, Lord, looking out, it's ugly, but we know that you have all power. Hallelujah. You didn't bring us this far to leave us. Lord, it was you that put America together, this country. And, Father, we know if we take you out, it'll go under. But, Lord, as long as we lift you up, we know that it will remain. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Father, bring those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military, widowers, bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, Israel, Jerusalem, preachers everywhere, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Mm. Father, we bring our brothers and sisters overseas before you this morning, all of them, God. We bring their families, their children, their friends before you. And, Lord, we ask today that you would move in a mighty way for all that we've said, God, every call, every listener, every inmate, God, every military person, and administration of the, our military. God, we bring all of this before you this morning, and we ask that you would move. Not man move, but God move as, man move as you lead and guide them today. Father, don't let us be fools walking in our own way, but strengthen us. Lucia, protecting angels today to stand watch, Father, to shield and protect Israel and Jerusalem. Our brothers and sisters that are hiding overseas to pray, to lift up your name, to share the goodness of you with others. Lucia protecting angels in the name of Jesus. Father, we come this morning touching and agreeing, asking that you would forgive every American. Forgive us for all our sins, our wrongdoings, our wrong thoughts, our wrong speakings, our wrong feelings. And Father, this morning, though our sins be as scarlet, we ask that you would wash us as white as snow. Cleanse us this morning from all unrighteousness, Father, and give us a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within us today in the name of Jesus. And, Father, help us to be for you. Help us to stand up and hold up the blood-stained banner. Continue to bless the leadership of the country, America. But, God, have mercy this morning. Have mercy. Have mercy. And, Father, Remind them that you're almighty God. You're the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-knowledgeable. And without you, they can do nothing. We bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit that's in our leadership. And, Father, we cast it back to the pits of hell in the name of Jesus. 
And we ask that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake today. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Father, you didn't say we had to beg. You said ask, and it'll be given. Seek, and we'll find. Knock, and the door will come open unto us. We trust you this morning. Bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today. Move by your spirit in a mighty way. And Lord, when the word come forth, the message of the day, help us to take heed. And Father, help us to obey your word in the name of Jesus. Help us to stop looking at man. And Father, look to you because you use many, but we ignore it because it's not what we think it should be. But help us today to have a spiritual ear to hear every time and any time what the Spirit has to say to us. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Bless your people today, Lord. Bless them in an uncommon way. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you today, God. We thank you. We thank you. Father, can't thank you enough. Oh, you're yet on our side today in spite of us. Your word said we can cast our cares upon you, for you cared for us. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you glory, mm, honor, and praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. There's none like him. But Sean Mitchell said we can search all over. We won't find nobody, nobody greater. Nobody greater than Almighty God. We're going to the first request of the morning, and uh, when we come back, we will come back and continue.
radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the Morning Radio. And you're with Barbara. Hello, friends. The famous author of such bestsellers as Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, writer Joan Rowling, once said in an interview the wonderful words, Only our choices reveal who we really are, much more than our abilities. And she certainly knows that. After all, before she became a famous and mega-rich writer, she was at the very bottom. Today, I'm going to tell you a story that went so viral a few years ago that it went around the world in a matter of days and won the hearts of millions of people. It's probably the best example of how two perfectly equal people making different choices in their lives determine their path in life. But first things first. In 2015, a very unusual meeting took place in a Miami, Florida courtroom. Judge Mendy Glazer was presiding over the case of a man arrested for theft just days earlier. A man named Arthur Booth had been apprehended by police officers as he was driving his car and attempting to evade law enforcement. His car had been reported missing after a robbery. During the chase, Booth tried to evade several times before he had an accident and crashed his car after which he tried to run from the guards on foot but was soon caught. This courtroom trial was no different than any other. Judge Mendy Glazer was in her sitting position after reviewing the case file. Opposite her stood the criminal Arthur Booth, who was far from the first time he had met in a courtroom, having served his time in prison several times before, unwavering and with a cold stare. Arthur looked confidently into the eyes of the judge and showed with all his appearance that he was not afraid at all and was no longer afraid of anything. Perhaps the verdict would have ended and everyone would have gone their separate ways, the judge would have gone home after work and Arthur would have gone back to prison. But what happened next made the defendant weep like a baby. Unexpectedly, the judge asked the defendant an irrelevant question. Yes, Did you go to Nautilus? For middle school. Oh After these goodness. words, the defendant changed his face and began to look intently into the facial features of the judge. The prosecutors and the defendants began to look at each other, not understanding what was going on. Arthur looked at the woman for a few more seconds and then uttered these words, Oh my God, this can't be. My God, I'm so embarrassed. After which the defendant, who had stood there a few moments before with a confident look, bowed his head before the judge and expressed his confusion about the circumstances of their meeting, began to cry, rubbing his hands over his eyes, repeating the same phrase, My God! As it turned out, at that moment Arthur recognized in the judge his old acquaintance after which he lost his temper and burst into tears. As it turned out, more than 30 years ago, he had a completely different life. Like many teenagers, Arthur had dreams of a successful career. His outstanding abilities in math and science made him one of the best students in school, and not just any school, but the Nautilus School, which in the late 70s was not only prestigious, but considered one of the best in Miami. Arthur was selected to attend Nautilus High School after achieving outstanding grades at William Brent Elementary School. His parents were happy about the boy's ability. As the eldest of three children in the family, he simply burned with learning and even dreamed of becoming a neurosurgeon. Arthur strived to study, learned Spanish on his own, and achieved outstanding grades. Coming from a simple, poor family, he traveled to school by bus for almost an hour and later became an honorary student. It seemed that this gifted boy was destined for college and a successful career, and it pained Judge Glazer 
doubly to see Arthur before her. This is the nicest kid in middle school. He was the best kid in middle school. I used to play football with him. Mendy later said in the courtroom, the last time I saw Arthur, I was just a little girl with a baby face. I too had ambitions and wanted to be a veterinarian, but all that was nothing compared to Arthur. He was the best student and I admired him. And now I look at him and I don't understand how that could have happened. Look what happened to you, Arthur. The judge turned to the defendant. Arthur could not contain his emotions the whole time. The desperate criminal sobbed and covered his face with his hands. It so happened that 35 years later, the two classmates met in the courtroom where one was the judge and the other on the bench who had just been released from prison a few months earlier. As Arthur's sister later told us, at the age of 17, our honor student got addicted to gambling. At first, it started out like many others, playing cards for small change. Then the stakes got bigger and bigger and there wasn't enough money. Arthur chose the wrong company and later got into debt. Depression and anxiety prompted our hero to try light drugs for the first time. And then everything was as usual, addiction, a constant need for money and attempts to get it at any cost made him a criminal. That's how Arthur went from a promising young man into a robber and ended up in prison. It would seem a meeting of two classmates is a great excuse to remember childhood. But the realities were very different. Judge Mendy asked Arthur if he realized what he was doing was wrong and if he agreed with the charges to which the defendant confessed to breaking the law and knowing his guilt. All the while, Arthur was afraid to raise his head and stood with his eyes downcast. But this touching meeting ended in a reality check when the judge set bail at $43,000 or one year in jail. She also had some parting words to say to him. Mr. Booth, I really hope you can turn your life around. It really hurts me to see you here. I have the best memories of you. Just think about what I told you. It's up to you to change things. Good luck to you, sir. I hope you're able to come out of this okay and just lead a lawful life. But as you can imagine, the story doesn't end there. As it would later turn out, Mendy's words had touched Arthur to the core. Ten months later, Arthur was released for good behavior. All the while in prison, he read books and was interested in business. Since he had already lost his dream once, which was to become a surgeon, he decided to start all over again. After his release, ex-convict Arthur and Judge Mendy met again. Arthur came to the courtroom and wanted to personally thank her for the words she had said to him at the time. He promised her he would never be in prison again and would give up gambling and drugs. He kept his word. It's been almost five years since then. Now Arthur is quite a successful manager of a pharmaceutical company. He earns enough money not to deny himself anything. He travels the world and lives in his own house. He's done with his former addictions long ago. He voluntarily underwent treatment and doesn't want to go back to it. Arthur is still in touch with his former classmate and is very grateful to fate that it brought them together back then in the courtroom and it was Mendy who confronted him. As he says himself, her words changed my whole life. The motivation of an old friend was that Arthur, released from prison, just had to make the right choice in life, and he did. And this story of the meeting of two classmates shows perfectly that only our choices and our decisions determine who we will become and predetermine our path in life. Do you agree with these words? Write your opinion in the comments. That's all for today. Like the video and see you soon.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. We believe for it. I'm believing you, Lord, that everything is going to be all right. I'm believing you, Lord, that you are blessing me, that I can obey your word and do what you have to do. Okay, Brother Louis, God bless you. God bless you. That's what we believe in you for today, that, Lord, we can do what's right. And did y'all hear that little story right there? He was in and out of trouble and went to court, and there was one of his schoolmates. Yeah, and she remembered him. And uh, just to see her and to hear what she had to say, had him, made him change his life. Yeah, he went to school and got a job at a pharmaceutical company, never went back to prison. And uh, I'm sure God was in there somewhere, Brother Louis. I, don't, I, don't, I can't exactly say that he was saved. Uh, he gave his life to Christ. But somewhere in there, God was working on his behalf. And a lot of times God is working for us, but we don't see that. We see the natural things. And as believers, we got to get away from all of the natural and begin to look for spiritual things from God. I, I've been on my way somewhere, and I just couldn't leave right away. I can remember one day just sitting in the chair, keep saying, I got to go. You got to get up, Barbara. You got to go. It's not that I didn't have energy to go. I just didn't feel like I could go right then. It was one thing after another. Uh, I, I may have looked at something on my phone or you know, the TV may have been on or whatever, but I wasn't able to move at that time. And there was a purpose for it. There was a reason for it. Yeah. Had I gone when I wanted to leave, something bad would have happened during that time. But God knew what was best for me. So he held me. Yeah. Until it was safe for me to move. Yeah. A lot of times we don't get what we want and we'll accuse the devil. But it's not the devil many times. It's God holding us, yeah, from things that won't work together for our good. Yeah, we, we got to look to him for everything. Believe him in and for everything. And if we think it's the devil, then we tell God, Lord, if the enemy is working against me, I need you to move on my behalf. Yeah. And he will do just that for us because he loves us today. Yeah. He loves us unconditionally. Oh, yeah. And so I'm grateful unto him this morning for all he has done, for what he's doing right now, and for what he is going to do. Great and mighty things for us. Hallelujah. So I have another request this morning, and I told a person uh, I would play this for them because they usually go to work, but today they're able to stay for the whole show. So I said I would play their request. And so I'm going to play this one, and when we come back, we are going to come back with Bishop Rudolph McKissick and his messages. He's with me in empty places. Hallelujah. He, he is with me in empty places. Hallelujah. I like the way that sounds. <laughs> the ground can say it, and the sky 
chapter 37 beginning at verse 18 I'm reading from uh, it's a relatively new translation that I really like it's called the clear word and I'm reading from that translation this morning beginning at verse 18 when they saw him in the distance they said hey look who's coming the dreamer and they agreed to kill him as soon as he came into the camp 
They sneered, that dreamer is coming to spy on us. Then he'll go and tell father how bad we've been. So let's kill him and throw his body into a dried up empty well. And we'll say that a wild animal killed him, then we'll see what happens to his dreams. But Reuben overheard their plans and decided to save Joseph. He said, let's not kill him after all, he's our brother. Then he suggested instead of killing him and becoming murderers, let's just throw him alive into one of these empty wells and let him die. There are a number of them right here. He made this suggestion because he intended to rescue Joseph, send him back to his father before anything else could happen to him. As Joseph neared the camp, they waved at him. But when he got there, instead of hugging him, they grabbed him. They tore off the road, dragged him over to a nearby empty well and dropped him in it. Then they sat down to eat. And while they were eating, they saw a caravan in the distance. It was coming their way heading south toward Egypt. When the caravan got nearer, they recognized the men as Ishmaelite traders coming from Gilead. The camels were loaded with all kinds of goods, including spices and balm and myrrh. Then Judah said to his brothers, if we let our brother starve to death in this well, we are actually killing him, even if we say otherwise. After all, the trouble he's called us, caused us, we at least ought to get something out of this. Man, who needs brothers like that? Why don't we sell him to these Ishmaelites? Then no one can accuse us of killing our own brother. After all, he is our flesh and blood. And the brothers agreed. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Story said that they said, let's, let's drop him in this dry, empty well and see what happens to his dreams. I want to preach for just a few minutes as the spiritual guide with this thought in our minds. He's with me in empty places. He's with me in empty places. You, you, you really had to be hiding under a rock over the last few weeks to not have seen the tragedy of what transpired in Baltimore, Maryland, in the aftermath of the senseless murder of Freddie Gray. Out of all the things that went down, I was preaching there this past Wednesday and Thursday and got a more intimate look and conversation on some of the things that actually happened. And out of all the things that, that went down, probably one of the most powerful was what happened at Camden Yards, the home of the Baltimore Orioles. What the media did not tell you was that those young activists were in the midst of a very peaceful march. But while in the midst of the march near Camden Yard, which is right downtown, what the media would not tell you was that in the midst of a peaceful march by activists, fans who were waiting to go into the game began to yell racist slurs that I will not even repeat. These, these young people who had come to what Malcolm Gladwell calls the tipping point were outraged by what was being hurled at them in a racist and insultatious way. 
and as a result of what was being said to them because they were only marching peacefully many of them began to lose every semblance of civility they had when things went upside down the city planners met with Oriole management because they were in the beginning of a three-game series with the Chicago White Sox. And so the management decided that the best turn of events, as most of you already know, was not to cancel the next game, but to play it without the presence of fans in the stadium. So they were forced to play this game with nobody cheering them on. It brought to my mind a question, Bishop, as many were recounting all of this to me this week. Have you ever been in a place where you had to do your job knowing you didn't have any fans? <laughs> How many of us would be able to execute our responsibilities with excellence knowing that there was nobody there to applaud, appreciate, or encourage you. There, was, there were fans, I was told, there were fans that were incredibly disgruntled at this turn of events because they couldn't understand how they had bought tickets but were shut out of the game. <laughs> they, they could not understand, this is going to get good, how they paid the price to have access but were kept out by those in charge of the stadium gates. Y'all didn't get it. They were mad because they couldn't figure out how they had paid the price to be in the stadium. But the folk in charge of the stadium wouldn't give them. And, and for one day, Oriole fans knew what it felt like to be black. They knew what it felt like to be a people who had paid the price but got shut out of the game by those in charge of the game. See, that's why you need to vote this coming Tuesday so you can make sure. So you can make sure that the right gatekeepers are at the gate so you can get access. Okay. Oh. They, they, for one day, they knew what it was like because we paid the price of admission through blood, sweat, tears, and yet we have not been allowed admission to the game. And when we get in the game, they try to change the rules. As, as I was watching Sports Center, something caught my eye. They, they, showed, they showed players from both teams in, in this empty stadium. This, and this was deep. They showed, they showed, I believe it was the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, walked over to the bleachers <laughs> and he had a pad and started writing like he was signing autographs. They, they, this is true. They showed another player who had baseball ba baseballs in his hand throwing them into the stands like there was somebody there to catch it. 
And if you didn't know any better, you thought they were insane. But what one of them said in an interview was, since we had nobody there to cheer us on to win, we had to find the power of self-encouragement. Oh, this is going to get good. They, they, they were, in a real sense, much like David, who when he had nobody else, learned to encourage himself. In the, and some of y'all in here can testify right now. You don't have a life coach. You don't have a counselor's couch. You don't have a book you're reading. But you've had seasons where you had nobody else. And you had to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. As a matter of fact, if the truth be told, that's the only reason you haven't fallen apart. That's the only reason you haven't lost your mind. That's the only reason why you aren't bitter or angry or playing the victim. You learned how to encourage. Oh, okay, some of y'all look like you don't know how to encourage yourself. I'm switching because this ain't working right. Some of y'all act like you don't know how to encourage yourself. He may not come when you want yourself weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself please get it together greater is he that is in me than he that is in some of you act like you don't know how to encourage be still and know that I am God some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself stand still and see the salvation of the some of you act like have you ever been in a situation where you were in the stadium of life all by yourself and you didn't have fans anywhere around you and you had to throw the ball to yourself and just say this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me and the world didn't take it from me do me a favor don't shake your neighbor's hand don't high five your neighbor high five yourself and say encourage yourself every now and then you've got to learn how to encourage yourself because there come seasons when you're in the stadium by yourself. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. You, you really don't know what it's like to have to survive until you are placed in an environment where there is nobody that's with you. Some of you in here who had dreams and visions and goals can testify that once you got a dream and spoke it, uh, it became one of the loneliest experiences you could ever in encounter. It can get frustrating because 
The people, y'all cut it down a little bit, please, y'all work it out for me. The people who you thought would support you suddenly press the mute button. It, it can become frustrating when you have a dream, but you are surrounded by people who speak against it because they are caught up on the facts while your spirit is caught up in the faith. And you are trying to figure out how this dream is going to come about. And I can imagine that's where Joseph found himself. When things got rough, he was alone in the stadium by himself. It's interesting when you read the story that Joseph is hated by people he's done nothing to. Mm. As a matter of fact, the, the, uh, the Bible declares, read the story from the beginning, that the father gave him this multicolored coat. I'm coming back to that. And they hate him because of the coat so that they hate him because of what is on him. If he were regular like everybody else, they wouldn't have had an issue. But the father gave him a colorful coat as a sign of his favor. They saw the colorful coat and got angry at the color God put on him. <laughs> Y'all slow. They, they saw the color on him and got mad at the color they saw. When he didn't ask for the color, it was the father's choice that put the color on him. Y'all ain't trying to help me in here today. There will be some people who don't like you it's a multicolored coat. There's some folk ain't gonna like you whether you're black, you're white, you're yellow, you're dark, you're red bone, light skin. Y'all ain't trying to talk to me. There are people who, in the ignorance of their prejudice, will not like you just because of your color. But if the Father gave you the color, be glad for the color you got. Whether you're dark, light, white, black, nappy hair, curly hair, long hair, short hair, weave, natural, perm, fat, tall, skinny, built, Denzel, Eddie Murphy, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, Jennifer Hudson, obese, whatever it is. Hey, they got... They got mad with him. And the Bible says they started plotting his demise when they saw him coming. I get this. They saw him coming. He was still afar off. And they started to plot to get rid of him. When they saw him coming, they were plotting what they were going to do to kill his dream there are people close up on you who you should have been able to trust your heart to 
who see you coming. They see you putting stuff in order. They see you working on the business plan. They see you getting your finances together. They see you paying off bills and getting your, they see, oh God, it's getting good. Now, they, 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 they see the sparkle in your eye at the business you want to start or the house you want to buy. And even before you get it, they start plotting to destroy it. Y'all ain't helping me. Because for many people, your success highlights their laziness. They, they, they started, they started plotting to kill him. The Bible declares, I'm just going somewhere. They, they threw him into an empty well where he would be alone left to die. And I want to suggest to somebody today that's feeling alone. That the worst thing the enemy can do is leave you by yourself. See, you ain't used to hearing that. You're used to hearing that if I'm by myself, I get tempted to do crazy. But, but I want to show you from this text, the worst thing the enemy can do is leave a child of God by themselves. Because if you get me by myself long enough and I survive, it's going to help me to realize that all I really needed was me and God. I wish I had a witness. If I have God on my side, I can survive anything that's done to me. Do I have a witness in here that even when you're by yourself, if God is with you, you can survive that divorce, you can survive that bankruptcy, you can survive that job termination, you can survive anything you go through. And the worst mistake the devil made was making you be by yourself. Because you discovered when you were by yourself, you had everything it took to hold on until the Lord delivered you. And you discovered that God will be with you even in empty spaces. Do I have any witnesses in here that can testify there have been some empty seasons and the only reason you survived it without losing your mind is because God was with you even in the empty places. This word this morning is for somebody who had to go through a season of prolonged unemployment when you couldn't pay your bills. He'll be with you in empty places. This is for somebody who feels like nobody is there to encourage you and lift you up. He will be with you in empty places. This is a word for somebody who got laid off of a great job after doing a great... He will be with you in empty places. I'm talking to somebody who's in this house by yourself with nobody to help you get it together. He will be with you in empty places. There are some things you can learn when God puts you in a place by yourself. Yourself. So hold your head up, dry your tears, cancel your pity party, kick everybody out the party, and stand still and know that even when you are in an empty place, the Lord is there with you. Oh, I forgot to tell you, the Orioles played the White Sox. In the empty stadium 
without anybody cheering or clapping. And in that empty stadium, they won the game. Because when you got God, you can win even if ain't nobody cheering for you. Talk, boy. When you got God, you can get the victory even if ain't nobody there to see it. How many of y'all today know God has given you some victories nobody saw? How many of y'all know God has given you some victories nobody was there to cheer? If you tried to tell them, they wouldn't understand it because they weren't in the stadium. The old folk used to say, you don't know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know. You weren't there. You don't know when and you won't don't know when. Would you do me a favor? Would you grab you one partner and do si do and tell them this next shout is for the victory nobody saw. This next shout is for the battle nobody knew. This next shout is for the victory nobody helped me get through. This next shout is for the battle nobody helped me fight. This next shout is for the victory nobody saw. This next shout is for the victory nobody clapped me through. I made it with God. Come on, get your shout on. It wasn't nobody but you and God in the stadium. And he gave you the... and tell him I can't even explain it to you. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn on the other side. I can't even explain it to you. If I tried to, you wouldn't even understand it. And the reason you wouldn't understand it is because you didn't even know I was going through it. Because I got so much class, I suffered without looking like it. I got so much dignity, I suffered without looking like it. I got so much class, I caught hell without looking like hell. But I came by to let you know today that in the midst of the midnight hour, when I couldn't call nobody, couldn't text nobody, couldn't tell nobody to come see about me, the Lord picked me up. He turned me around. He dried my tears. And I got the victory without nobody cheering for some of y'all. Y'all looking at us like we don't know. You're looking at me like why am I jumping around? I'm a dignified preacher. I'm sorry. I just had a flashback to a victory nobody knew I was going through. And if God gives you a flashback, it'll make you start to shout all by yourself. Don't even turn to your neighbor. Don't look at your neighbor. Just look up and say, thank you, God. Can't nobody know what I'm talking about. Thank you, God. Nobody was there to dry my tears. Thank you, God. you what the Lord is going to teach you 
in the empty spaces of your life. He's going to teach you in the empty places of your life that real favor is not on you, it's in you. Hmm. The Bible declares, read it, that they stripped him of his coat. They stripped him, verse 23 says, ripped off that coat. I told you that, that coat represented the favor of the Father. They got mad because he was wearing the Father's favor. They took the coat because it was the coat that got on their nerves. Because the coat was the visible evidence hey, of the favor of the Father. But here's what they miss. You can take the coat, but you can't take the favor. Uh, see, see, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. His father gave him favor, but his God gave him a dream. And the dream ain't wrapped up in my coat. The dream is wrapped up in my mind. So even after the coat is gone, the dream still remains. Why? Because the favor for destiny was not on him. It was in him. So you can take my stuff, but it won't stop me because I know that God is the one that gave me the dream. And you can take everything I have, but it will not stop me because I know that what I need to get to where God has shown me is inside me. So fire me and I'll still open up the business. God, I wish I had a praying church in here today. I wish I had a praying church in here today. Fire me, and I'll still buy the house. God, help me in here today. Help me in here today. Dismiss me, and I'll still go back to college. God, help me. Flunk me, and I'll sit out a semester and come back. Because I understand that favor for my future is not in the stuff you take from me. It is on the inside. Let me tell you something. What can't be stripped from you is the dream God showed you. Where are my dreamers? I'm looking for my dreamers. I'm, come on. Dreaming of a home. Dreaming of a business. Dreaming of a position. I need you to understand that what cannot be stripped from you is what God showed you. I, I, I need you to get that in your head right, right, right through in here. That your dream is not tied to or dependent on what you have, but on who you have. 
And if you would ever stop trying to accumulate accoutrements and just work on you, have you ever noticed people like Malcolm Forbes, Steve Jobs, people who doing it big, never dress like they rich? We the only folk. That try to authenticate our somebodiness through our stuff. So you're going broke buying fake Louis Vuittons and... Oh, y'all are getting quiet. Buying cars you can't afford and... Come on, don't get quiet on me now. It's in debt trying to prove something to folk you don't even like. But notice, see, there's an old adage, I've heard this before. Folk who are wealthy don't have to dress like they're rich. Because you can be rich and not be wealthy. Rich, you just got a whole lot of money. That ain't going to last you long. Wealth means you got money that's stretched beyond your time. Rich means you just got money sitting in the bank. Wealth means you taking that money, flipping it, rubbing it, and letting it make money for you. Our problem is, many of us cannot access our dreams and bring our dreams into reality because we're trying to look the part. But if you stop trying to get stuff and work on you, baby, you can wear jeans and hot boxes and still walk in your dream. I wish I had a witness. You can drive a hoopty and drive it to the business you own. See, I ain't getting many amens right there because we think we got to have a certain look. I got to look the part. It don't make no difference to look the part if you can't be the part. Mm. It's not in what you have. See, here's the other thing. If the favor and the dream are connected to God, this is so good, then what people do to you and whoever walks out on you won't impact you. Oh. Let, 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 let me say that again. If the dream is from God, then what people do to you and whoever walks out on you will not depress you. Because empty spaces would teach you to get yourself together and help you to realize that you don't need other people to affirm your dream. Let me help you. This is going to be so tweetable. If you need people to co-sign your legitimacy and authenticity, you ain't ready for the dream. If I need people to co-sign on the legitimacy and the authenticity of who God made me, I ain't ready for the big time. 
But when you know you got something, ain't nobody got to tell you. That's when you're ready. It all came to your mind because they made the mistake of putting you in empty spaces. There's something else. Sometimes empty spaces are preparation for future predicaments. Hmm. I've discovered this. Sometimes God will allow a situation at this time because of what God knows is coming at you in the future. And if it weren't for having gone through something prior to it, you'd have lost your mind when you went through it. See, that's why it's important to never sit in church and say, well, that ain't for me. I'm not going through that. It ain't for you today. But what you have to learn to do as a learner is file it away. Because there's coming a day where you're going to need the Holy Spirit to call back to your remembrance the lessons and principles you got on the day you claim it wasn't for you. Somebody say, all right, that's good, but where are you getting that in the text? Check me out. The text says, he loses his coat. The brothers concoct a lie, and they throw him in a pit. He loses his coat. <laughs> they concoct a lie, and they throw him in a pit. They took his coat, concocted a lie, and threw him in a pit. Keep your finger there. Jay walked two chapters to chapter 39. Uh, <laughs> and go down to verse 12. She came up to Joseph, grabbed his coat, and said, sleep with me. I've arranged for everybody to be out the house. Nobody's here but us. My husband will never know. But Joseph ran out of his coat and ran from the house. When she realized that he had left her holding his coat, she started screaming. When the servants came running back into the house, she said, look at this. This Hebrew slave whom the, my husband trusts so much attacked me. Verse 16, she kept Joseph's coat until her husband came home. She told him the whole story. Hebrew slave you brought here came to the bedroom, attacked me. When I screamed, he ran, left his tunic. When Potiphar heard his wife's story, he pretended to be furious even though he doubted what she said, but he ordered his men to go get Joseph, arrest him, throw him into prison. Church folk don't know when to shout. She took his coat, concocted a lie, and they threw him in a prison. And Joseph never said a mumbling word. Do you know why? Two chapters earlier, they took his coat, lied on him, and put him in a pit. Y'all didn't catch it. Y'all didn't catch it. Joseph said, I've been through this before. 
and the last time it happened, God used it to elevate me. So I'm just going to sit right here and see what God's got next. See, some of y'all need to be rejoicing because this is not the first time you've been through something and the last time you went through it, God brought you out. Look at somebody tell them the last time God brought me out and he will do it again. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn on the other side and tell somebody God's going to do it again. I went through what I went through to teach me when I go through it again, I can do a flashback and say, God, you brought me out the last time. And if you brought me out the last time, I know you'll bring me out. Is there anybody in here who knows this ain't your first struggle? This is not your first trouble. This is not your first difficulty. This is not your first situation. But high five three people and tell them the same God that brought you out before is the same God. Whatever it is you're going through right now, it's preparing you for a future battle. And surviving this one is going to have you ready for the next one. See, that's why you act like you act with everything you're going through. People trying to figure out how you're going through what you're going through. And you smiling and you got a positive attitude. And you in church and you showing up to work on time. And you laughing and kicking it. They calling you fake. They calling you phony. Tell them I ain't fake and phony. But I've been through this before. And the same God that was with me the last time is the same God that, as a matter of fact, I've got enough nerve to shout in advance of getting the victory. See, when you've been through stuff in your future, watch this, watch this, you can prophesy your breakthrough even before you have your breakdown. You ain't even had the breakdown yet, but you already shouting over the breakthrough because you know you've been through this before and God brought you out the last. Has he ever brought you out? I said, has he ever brought you out? I said, has he ever brought you out? I said, has he ever paid your bills? Then why are you worried about being broke? Has he ever healed your body? Then why are you worrying about being sick? Has he ever dried your tears? Then why are you worried about being by yourself? Has he ever fought your battles? Then why are you worried about your haters? He's the same God. You got to use what you've already been through and know that it's giving you previous preparation. That's, that's how Joseph could get into Egypt and survive and not complain, even when they put him on a job beneath his gift. Because when you have survived having nothing, you know how to be thankful having anything. Come on. I'm, I'm done. The Bible says Joseph had two brothers that made suggestions. First brother said, man, we can't kill him. Let's, let's, let's throw him in that pit. Let's get some blood. Say something happened to him. Starve him to death. 
Then he had another brother that looked down in that pit and refused to let him die. He had one brother, Jesus, that looked down in that pit and said, if I speak up, he will not be destroyed. He had one brother that said, if I open up my mouth, the power of what I say is going to save his life. That brother's name was Judah. Judah means praise. I can't get no help in here. So praise saved his life. See, the reason most of y'all can't say nothing is because y'all think that all praise is is a syncopated rhythmic response to something. No, praise is a weapon of warfare that if you ever learn how to use it, it can absolutely save your life. I wonder are there any praisers in here who can say when I had nothing else, I had a praise. And the only thing that kept me sane was knowing how to give God the praise. I ain't talking to the quiet, cute folk. I want to talk to the folk this morning who know praise is your weapon. And if you ever open up your mouth, you can save your life. You can save your family. You can save your marriage. You can save your children. I just want you to high five somebody until a praise saved my life. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Joseph, I've heard this preach. And everybody go out on that if you're just praising. Now that's good, but that ain't integrity to the text. Because in the text, Joseph ain't Judah. Joseph was not praised. His brother was. When his brother spoke up, he got out. He didn't get delivered because he had a praise. He got delivered because he was connected to a praiser. That's why some of y'all better check your pew real quick. You better check your surroundings real quick. Because in this season, it ain't about you having a praise. In this season, it's about somebody being connected to you that knows how to praise when you can't praise. This is a season about having somebody in your life who knows how to open up their mouth on your behalf. The old church put it this way, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I want you to grab somebody real quick and tell them, my next praise is not for anything I'm going through. Come on, look at them, tell them, my next praise is not for my difficulty. Now look them back in the face and tell them, don't get it twisted. I got some difficulties. I 
got some struggles. I got some obstacles. I've got some rough times. Tell them, but this next praise is not for what I'm going through. Tell them, this next praise is to help you get through. Now look at them real quick and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. Tell them, my name is Judah. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn on the other side and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. My name is Judah. What y'all doing? Put the organ in the monitors, please. Turn around to somebody else and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. My name is Judah. And you're awfully privileged to sit in my space. Because when I open my mouth, everything you've been going through. When I open up my mouth, everything you've been dealing with. When I open up my mouth, everything that made you lonely. When I open up my mouth, every demon in hell is going to have to obey. When I open up my mouth and lift up my praise, because I'm an intercessory praiser. I just ain't an intercessory prayer. I got intercessory praise. You better grab your neighbor's hand and say, neighbors, my next praise is for your family. Whatever your family's going through, my next praise is to help them get out. Whatever you're dealing with, my next praise is to help you get out. I need you to look your neighbor in the eye and tell them, I need your praise. Because it's getting rough for me right now. I don't know how to do it for myself. I need your praise. Some of y'all better move your seat. Because it looks like you're sitting by somebody that don't want to be bothered with you. You better move your seat. Because it looks like you're sitting by somebody who wish it shut your mouth. But find you somebody and tell them I need your praise. I need you to open up your mouth and help me praise my way through. I need you to open up your mouth and help me get up out this pit. I need you to open up your mouth and help me get delivered. I got to get out of here. I got to preach at four o'clock. But I need somebody who's got a praise on their lips. Not for yourself, but for somebody else. Take your neighbor by the hand and tell your neighbor, neighbor, oh, neighbor, I'm going to help you praise out. That was the wrong neighbor. Take another neighbor by the hand. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. And tell them, neighbor, When I open up my mouth, you gon' get your breakthrough. When I open up my mouth, you gon' get your miracle. I got to get out of here, but I'm better than Joseph. My name ain't in the Bible, but I'm better than Joseph. I didn't become a leader in Egypt, but I'm better than Joseph. I don't have a million dollars, but I'm better.
Joseph. Can I tell you why? He had Judah, but I got Jesus. And if I got Jesus, I got everything I need. Keep Judah. Give me Jesus. You can have Judah if I got Jesus. Because he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. High five three people and tell them you can make it. If you got Jesus, you can hold on. If you got Jesus, you can try your tears. If you got Jesus, is there anybody here who knows my Jesus? Is there anybody here who knows my Lord? Do you know him? Have you tried it? Is he all right? He's like a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's like fire. Shut up in my boat. Shake three people's hands and tell them Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is all you need. He'll keep you. He'll hold you. He'll sustain you. He'll fight for you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he fight your battles? Won't he make your enemies your footstool? Won't he give you joy and sorrow? Won't he give you hope for tomorrow? Won't he dry your tears? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Say yes! Yes! Church in Jacksonville, Florida. It used to be Bethel Institutional Church when his dad was living. And uh, I thank God for the message today. Yeah, no matter where you go, God is with you. If you belong to him and he belongs to you, if you're saved and you know you're saved, if you have the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God living in you, and you know this, listen, no matter where you go, he's right there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you until the end. He's that kind of God, but we got to believe. And we got to stop making all kind of excuses. But, but, no but. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you and I am going to trust you for whatever it is that I want, whatever it is that I need. He's our shepherd. And we shall not want, but it, it takes some 
some work there. It takes some faith, some trust in God, obedience. Yeah. When I was bringing my children up, raising my children, training them in the way they should go, if they were good, they were rewarded. If they behaved, if they were obedient, oh, they was really rewarded. And the biggest thing with my children was they loved to eat. They loved dessert. And you could give them something made out of a box, and they'd say, oh, no, what is this? Who made this? I can't eat this. I remember one Sunday they went to the pastor's house, <laughs> hanging out with the pastor, his wife, his children, and the cousins and nieces and nephews, and they presented them with some banana pudding. And it was, you know, the box pudding. And my daughter came home, she said, oh, they embarrassed you today. I said, what? What did they do? They, they ate something, and it was made with turkey, ground turkey. They wasn't used to that. It was used to ground beef. And then they brought out the instant banana pudding, so they had, they had a fit. I said, what? She said, it was like, oh, who made this nasty? But I said, no, not in the people's face. She said, yes, they did. We're not used to this. My mama make the real. Yeah. You see this? So look, when you, you bring your children up in the way they should go, and they obey you, you reward them. And no matter what where they go, what you've given to them that was real, they know about that. They may not always act as if they know, or participate as if they know, but they know. When we obey God as his children, he won't withhold no good thing from us. We can cast our cares upon him, for he careth for us. But do we really believe this? Are we really putting God to the test? Are we putting his word into action? What are we doing? Because again, this morning, without him, we can do nothing. David said he called on the Lord, and he heard his cry. He cried unto the Lord, and God heard his cry. Yeah, David teaches us a lot of important messages. His son Solomon come right behind and did the same thing, but we don't hold on to the word. We hold on to what we're looking at, what we can feel, what we believe is real. God is the most realest thing in my life. He's the most truthful thing in my life. His word is the most truthful words that will ever be in my life. Can't speak for everybody else. I can only speak for me. So when our ways please him, he won't withhold nothing from us. Things I, I I I didn't even think about, but I wanted. I didn't even know I wanted them. He bring it my way. He proved to me giving is the best method. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He showed me where if I'm just not concerned so much, over concerned about Jesus in the morning and freedom door, but I'm I'm concerned about somebody else's ministry. And I pray for their ministry. I'm going to be all right in Jesus' name. He's going to provide. One thing, another thing I learned about God is this. If he's in it, 
it can't go wrong. And if he created it, it's not going anywhere. Now, there are times when he creates things for a season, and at the ending of the season, it's over. But if he created something that lasts throughout until he come back, it will remain. Yeah, I've noticed that. In 2010, I started Jesus in the morning with no money. And I didn't get rich along the way. He opened the door and he made different budgets for different things, but he didn't per se make a budget for Jesus in the morning. And then after the 10-year anniversary two years ago, I went from two hours to three hours. That means you pay more. I wasn't seeing how I was paying for the two hours. I trust God in every month he put the bill. Every month he made a way where I saw no way. It went up to three hours and he has done the same thing. Every month he meets the bill. He knows the very intent of my heart. And I don't like asking people for money. That's just not, mm -mm. But sometimes if he's speaking my spirit, ask, then I ask. And I'm blessed. Sometimes I ask for other people. But only when he says to do it. Mm -hmm. But he take good care of what he created. He created you. He created male and female. He created them. And he will provide for you. And if you want special things, obey God. Obey him. When I look at many homeless people, some of them say, I'm a Christian, I believe. And they are homeless. But yet, he opened a door and made a way for them to go to the homeless shelter. Where others have their own home. I believe that's the way it is when he called us before him. He says to me, well done, that good and faithful servant. He's going to give me a name no one else can pronounce. He'll give me the big diamonds and emeralds and rubies, you know, sapphires and topaz. What I like, I'm from the South. I like big jewelry, big chunky jewelry, big gold, <laughs> big rubies, all of that. Because he's looking at the work. He's looking at these are they that I can bring before him that he told me to minister to, pray for, whatever. But many think when we go to the altar and say, I do, that's it. All I got to do is believe and run on back and keep doing what I've been doing. And the situation getting worse. Your life is not full. You don't have abundant life. See, for me, abundant life is this. I go to bed at night peaceful, wake up peaceful. Abundant life for me is I have peace, joy, and happiness. Abundant life is, is fulfilling to obey the work of God, what he called, what he chose me for. I, I was doing the laundry room, cleaning the laundry room yesterday, and it just come to me. You have him. <laughs> you have God. You have Jesus. Yeah. He didn't leave me outside in the cold. 
he drew me because he knew the very intent of my heart. I wanted to come. I just didn't know how and what really, you know. But once I got ready, it took a a well-made-up mind. My mind was made up. If I find you and you are real, I want to be just as real in you as you are real, and I never want to let you go. And I don't want to put anything before him, the way I think, the ways of the world, the way the world talking. Uh, change is good. What kind of change? There are some good changes, but what kind of change are you talking about? Are you thinking about? Who are you listening to? Because even today, we have to be careful listening to preachers and pastors and ministries and TV evangelists. We have to be careful. Yeah. I'm not a person that want to present wealth when it comes to the things of God. I I don't want to be talking about uh, you're not saved if you don't have money. You're not saved if you don't have the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. Uh, you're not saved if you don't know God in wealth. That is crazy. You need your own business. You need to write a book. You need, now, we're not, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. If I never gain nothing else, if I never get anything else, guess what happens? I yet belong to him. And he made the way. Yeah. Because I learned this. With him, all things are possible. And if I remain lowly and humble, oh, he's going to do great things for me. But I must remain lowly and humble before him. Love one another. Mm-hmm. Got to love one another. Got to love my enemy. And I'm going to tell you all this. I'm telling you, I can't tell you all of this is easy. But it can be done. Yeah, it it can be done if if we choose to. I look at Jesus, and that's our example. When I look at him, oh, they did this man so dirty. Never did he say, strike them down, kill them, Lord. But forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And that's what he said. He went on out and finished his mission of Calvary. Calvary made the difference in our lives. Him completing the, the, the task that the Father sent him to do. Oh, he suffered in the flesh. And we're going to suffer because we always, many of us, we just want everything to just go right all the time. No problems. We're not. Our trials come to make us strong. I've learned this. Somebody going to talk about you bad. Somebody going to laugh at you, make fun of you. Uh, Somebody going to say some terrible things about you. Somebody going to look in your past and say, oh, my goodness, where did they come from? Yeah. But what I've learned, too, over the years is this. 
while I'm looking at your wrongdoing, mine is being exposed. I, we don't, we don't want to look at ourselves. We want to look at other people and what they. I wouldn't care if you took a paper clip from somebody that was wrong. Wrong is wrong. There's no big wrong and there's no little wrong. Wrong is wrong. But we tell ourselves because we want to feel some kind of important and better than the next person. So when we hear of a theft or a robbery or a rape, the person that did it, we quickly can condemn them. Yeah, we can condemn them. Because all I ever did was took a piece of candy out my co-worker's candy jar without him or her knowing. You're guilty. All I ever had was a traffic ticket. You're guilty. Obey the laws of the land. You were speeding. You parked wrong. You did something wrong. You got a traffic ticket. I've never been to jail. I've never been to prison. I never smoked. I never drank. But how many lives have you told? How many women have you cheated on? How many men have you done wrong? How many hours on the clock that you cheated? You wasn't there, but you got your friend back in the day to clock you in. Come on, come on. What we got to do is take self-inventory so we can obey God fully. And when we obey God fully, he's going to bless us. He won't withhold no good thing from us. If we love him, he called us out. If he saved you, he called you. And some of us he chose because he knew we were going to hold up the blood-stained banner no matter who was looking and who wasn't looking. We were going to love people no matter what. Yeah. And look, those of us that got our eyes glued to politics, you can forget that. Yeah, you go ahead on. And we have a responsibility to some things. Yes, yes. Because we want God to be pleased with our behavior in this country. But we are not just sold out to politics. We should be sold out to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's our alpha and our omega. He's our beginning and our end. And we want to give him our all today. He's with you in empty places. He's with you when they said no to the mortgage. You know, the mortgage company didn't approve you. The bank didn't approve you for the loan. He's yet with you. He's got better for you. Let me tell you. I open a convenience and cafe in the ghetto, they call it, low-income area. And I did that because really and truly, there's a lot of money in the ghetto. Believe it or not, low-income places, there's a lot of money. Any project you go to, you're bound to find a Mercedes, a BMW, and it's not stolen. Oh, yeah, they steal cars, but these particular ones are not stolen. You'll go to the low-income government housing and find some of the best furniture, better than I have in here, in my house. Money's down there. 
So I had the, the convenience store and the cafe. And people thought it was to make money. I, I, I knew better. I knew better. But I had to work unto him. He'll sign areas of Jacksonville. He'll sign people. I had assignments to get done. He assigned me to the summer free lunch program for the children to work with the management, yeah, in low-income housing. So, look, I'm down there working. I gave way more than I made. <laughs> People come in that door, and I knew just as well he sent them. See, because when he, when he sent you to do a work and you're willing, he equipped you. And all that you don't have, all the equipment don't you don't, that you don't have, he'll lead and guide you. But you got to allow him to. So people coming and going, gang members coming and going, children coming and going. I had a young, a, a little boy, I, I'm going to call him. And uh, his mom, grandmother would send him to the store because every day he had to come, sometimes two times a day. And she would let him come. And he would walk from the sidewalk from his house, cross the street, and then he got across the street to get to the store. So as soon as I would see him, no matter what I was doing, I would stop and go to the door. And I said, stop right there. Stay right there. And then I would walk on out to the street, make sure nothing was coming, no car. I said, come on. And then he would run on to me. And when he first come, I knew just as well this would be a child that God would use me for. He would come and he would just look at me. And I, I would say, how, how may I help you, sir? He would just stand there and look at me. And then he would back <clears throat> away from the counter to the side. And he would just stand there. I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> whatever. Whatever you're doing, okay, God. So he eventually started talking to me. I want this, I want that. This is the way he talks. I said, okay. I said, now when you get ready to leave, let me know. I'm going to walk you across the street. He just, you know, he waited. And then he started towards the door. I said, okay, you ready to go? Let me walk out here with you. So we started that. The holidays come. Christmas came. He wanted a train set. So he come, and, you know, I gave gifts to my customers, you know, anybody who came for the uh, noonday Christmas party, we called it, let's say, giving, you know, gave our plates of food. So for Christmas, when he came and he got his gift, he was acting up. I don't want this. His grandmother was with him. She said, boy, you better straighten up in here. She don't owe you nothing. I want a train. That's what I want. I don't want this. So I said, okay, I'm going to get him a train. I went out to Toys R Rush. You got to know me. <laughs> I don't fool around Toys R Rush, even for my grandchildren. But I went to Toys R Rush, and I was blessed to get him a nice train. Matter of fact, he had two. And the grandmother said she would give the other one to the to his brother. But that little boy, I had work to do for him. And he was somewhat of special need. And see, nobody had patience for him. 
but me in the store. And he would come in. How much the now ladies and I would tell him? I said, well, what flavor are you getting? I don't know. You stand there, just stand for a while. Never took nothing, never took nothing. He just liked hanging out in the store. It made him feel better, made him feel important. Uh, it made him feel he was in charge. This, this, he do what he wants in here, and nobody was going to bother him. Children after school would come. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how, how I had the patience for all of this, but God, but God. People on drugs would come. I would minister. I'm supposed to be frying chicken, making fries, uh, you know, serving cupcakes. I'm ministering right there. People would come, and I would pray with them. I had a lady from UPS used to come, and she would send her friends. And when she met me, she was so excited to meet me. She was like, oh. And then the, the, the mail lady, that was a lady who delivered the mail, she would put her order in what she wanted, and she kept going down your side of the street. And then I cross over to the other side, and when I come back up, I'm finished with the route. I'll stop and get my food. I said, okay. I'm going to get something for my sister today. I said, all right. So it's like I gained a lot of friends, good friends. Um, The deacon from the church, he came over. I told him to bring his wife. People crossed the street, and they looked out for me. I would grill outside sometimes. I had one of my spiritual sons to come and do a thing for children out back, and he brought the message of the day. Yeah, I'm always got to have a word in there because everything is going down but the word of God. We got to praise and worship him because he's worthy. We got to let him know that we believe. I trust you. you. You're worth more than anything in this world to me. Because with you, I'm going to make it. With you, I'm going to be all right. With you, one day, I'll be where you are. Look, in this project, in the low-income housing, I serve children and women. Some men, not very many men, but a few. Had a young man to come almost every day. He He came to eat. And he come to be encouraged. And you know, you know, when God is working, the devil gonna try to get in there where he fit in. He gonna get in where he fit in. You gotta let him fit in in order for him to get in. And so people will say, Oh, she a cougar, she going with him. Until they heard him one day say, Ma. <laughs> one of them said, Ma. I said, Yeah. Oh, that's your son. I said, Uh-huh. I knew right there they had cooked up some mess, so they had went and told his wife some foolish things. <laughs> she didn't like me. I was like, what? But God used me for him. Yeah. Because he was unhappy with his wife, and he would have been out cheating. But instead of cheating on his wife, he came to the house. They, he encouraged in the Lord. And he went to church. 
He come out the streets. He was, oh boy, he was stopping in the streets. Y'all hear me? But God blessed him. And still blessing him until this day. Yeah. All kind of things went on. Places I had to go. Nobody else was going there. Things I did for people. Nobody else was going to do that for them. What? Nobody's going to spend money and buy all of this and give it away. To who? Where? When? And people like this, they, <laughs> the Lord will tell them to do something they want to prove and being the person. God will tell me to bless a family. Folks over here said, do you really know them people? What? I don't have to know anybody. I got to know God and when he's speaking and when he's moving. Now that I must know because you don't evidently. But I must know when God is moving. And I got to move when he moves, not before he moves, nor after he moves, but while he is moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Empty places. Where's your empty places? Know that God is with you. What you feel you're missing? What, what do you feel that you don't have? What it is you feel that you need, God has it all. But we must go to him. This whole world is fading away quickly, too. And people think it's going to remain the same. But there's a day when all of this will be over. Time won't even be anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, his majesty. So we're grateful this morning unto almighty God who have all power. There is no higher power. Jehovah God. Yeah, call on him and, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I thank him today. I thank him. So, look, I have a request this morning, and uh, I'm going to uh, play this one by Dr. Uh, Frankie Ray and uh, Senior. And they say it was a tribute to Bishop Patterson. So I'm going to play this one this morning. Satisfied in life, ain't man, Lord, to dwell. I didn't know I was a prisoner in a cell. Oh, yeah, oh, but now I'm dwelling on the first floor. Joy. 
the love worldwide www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah Hallelujah Well I tell you that's the choir song we used to call it back in the day and um, our last song of the morning uh, Sister Dot Dorothy Goodman this has been dedicated to you and so we're going to pray out in a little bit and after a prayer and uh, we're closing out. That's our last song of the morning. I'm going to play that one for a dedication to you today. Hallelujah. The studio is open. If anyone has something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in today and share. We have a little time left. Yeah, we still have 32 minutes left, so that should be plenty of time. So we thank God again this morning for all that has been said and done. Thank him for this day. Another Labor Day. Hallelujah. He blessed us to see it. And so I'm thankful uh, unto him. And I didn't cook uh, anything this Labor Day. But I plan to um, get some food from somewhere. And uh, I feel barbecue-ish. <laughs> so I think I have some today. A chicken. I, I don't 
really do real. But uh, I do love a good barbecue chicken. So uh, Bono's in Florida for me is in order down in a place called Green Cove Rose Brown. I think I ride the Green Cove and go to Bono's and I get the chicken and uh, come on back. Yeah, just just the, the uh, what do they call it, the dark, the leg in the thigh. And I'll come on back, probably get something else with it on the sky and some water, and I should be good for the afternoon. Uh, yeah. So we thank God. Thank God again for all that has been said and done today. I trust him. I trust him. And when I come here, excuse me, here in the mornings, I know, you know, people may be thinking, oh, she put that together. Oh, she do it. No, no, I promise you. And I'm going to tell you who I saw noticed that, and that was Dr. Krause last Thursday. He was talking, and he said something. He said, and you said it, but I believe it was the Holy Spirit. See, he knew the difference. He knew when I was just talking, and then he knew when God was moving. I thought that was, I was like, ooh, he know, yeah. But you have to have the Spirit of God in you to know these things, because if you don't, you won't know. Yeah, you just think this person is just talking, and that's all to it. But if you have the Spirit of God, <clears throat> excuse me, living in you, you're going to know the difference. Hallelujah. All right, no one have anything to say today. I will pray us out, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for all that has been said and done again. Father, we thank you for this Labor Day. We're grateful unto you that you brought us up into this present time. We thank you for all you've done, great and mighty things for us, what you're doing right now, Father, and what you're going to do. We depend on you today. We know no other. Father, we trust you. We believe you. Our faith is what's making us whole in this hour. And Father, we ask that God will stir up our gifts and, Lord, lead and guide us in the right path that, God, we can be that candle for you that sit on the hill that can't be here. Father, again this morning, we can be that light that shines in darkness, and darkness will comprehend. Lord, we ask that as we lift you, as we lift you up, that you would draw men unto you. Oh, we thank you today, for you wish none should perish, and we wish that none should perish either. Bless your people today. Bless their going out and their coming in. Father, meet the need in their lives today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And Lord, those of us that are celebrating Labor Day, keep us safe from all hurt, harm, or danger in the name of Jesus. Bless your people beyond God. Bless your people with uncommon blessings today. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, September 5th, 2022, in Jesus' name. So we're going to our last song of the morning, and being dedicated to Sister Dorothy Goodman. God bless you, Sister Dorothy.
Do you have a big call yeah. of God on your life, but don't know what to do to make yeah, it? Yeah, when you call me, I need.